Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked on Flyers podcast for Wednesday, February 16th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is right there with you, Mike Yo. This one stinks. Well, Mike Yo has something to do with it, too. Oh, man, kicking a man while he's down. I see how it is. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about last night's game versus Pittsburgh, and then we're going to get into a whole bunch of mailbag questions. A lot of them are really interesting, so looking forward to you hearing our answers. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe, and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, Russ, so... The lineup was a bit of a crapshoot, I gotta say, um, mostly because Ristolainen was out. He was officially put on injured reserve. Jackson Cates was emergency recalled because Jerry Mayhew still can't see because his eyes still swollen. I don't want to say I predicted that, but okay. You did. You did. Absolutely. But so we had about two NHL lines and maybe three defensemen going into this game against the Pittsburgh Penguins who are having a fantastic season. And man, this game was just weird. I don't know how else to describe it, but weird. It was definitely a tale of three periods to me in terms of the first one. I thought the Flyers actually played pretty decently, but were outscored. The second period, they did not play that well, but outscored the Pens. And then the third period was 18 seconds of hell. Yeah, it's just, you know, they're shorthanded. I get it. But if you have enough effort to be there to have a three goal second and be up 4-2, you should have enough effort to put enough into it to win the game. But there were some things I, I just, I, again, they weren't, the fourth line did play after goals. Like, Yo did still do that. And I, I felt like that on the road wasn't a great move. Uh, I also felt... Yeah, the matchups were not right. No. And I think so that's, for a good portion of the game. And that's what, you know, I, what I meant at the beginning. That was a part of it. Uh, in the third period, when you know you're playing against a team that is geared to come back in games, you can't just sort of play good defense not put up any really zone time offensively and expect to come out of there with a win. And that's exactly what they did. So we could talk about them being shorthanded on D, but it really was the forwards that hurt them. As good as they played for two periods in that third period, they didn't play well at all. And the overtime, hey, stuff happens in overtime. You know, I'm not going to kill Giroux for falling down. Uh, But again, even in this game, you kind of wish Carter Hart played a little better. You do. Because no matter what, there was still a five spot hung on him. I don't know. I, I think maybe one of those third period goals he might want back. Yep. I, I think the big difference here was that the Pens were getting a lot of their chances and their goals, frankly, net front. 
I mean, it's like three of them were yeah. net front. One was in the slot and one was from a side angle. If you look at the Flyers goals, it was two from distance and two in the slot. Mm-hmm. There was almost no activity net front. And that's just a testament to the Penguins' defensive structure and the fact that the Flyers aren't the kind of team that are able to solve teams like that. No, but I think the Flyers, what, what they should have done was not try to get into this defensive shell when it, when it was 4-2 and mm-hmm. try and go back to what they were doing in the period before. And you knew the Penguins were going to play a better period and, and just sort of push it offensively, even if it meant, hey, having some shifts in the offensive zone and coming up empty, but controlling the puck a little. They, they never really attempted to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point, uh, especially with just, you know, the couple of breakdowns that they had were really bad. Yes. And it, it's not just a small mistake or, you know, catching an edge or, or some random happenstance. These were definite, you know, choices that were made that were not the right ones. And so I think that it, it's just a matter. I mean, even Mike Yo said it and he says this all the time, but in terms of maintaining what they're trying to do out there for the full game and with a, a team like Pittsburgh, you're going to get burned on it. And Speaking of which, I mean, every single person on this planet would have predicted that Crosby would have scored that 500th goal in that game. And I got was, yelled at. It was a I pretty tweeted, good one. I tweeted before it started how quick until he scores his first goal. And then, you know, someone called me mean. And I'm like, but we're all thinking it. So, like, we might as well just get it out of the way. But it was a good goal. Like, it was. Yeah, you do have to hand it to him. No, you do. I, you know, in the end, it's one of these games where – Look, Mike Yo is trying his best, and I do think at times Flyers players are trying their best, but the Flyers players are not sharp. They're not thinking right all the time. They don't make the best decisions, like you said, and I can't even blame it all on the coach anymore. A lot of this is on the players. A lot of the players on the ice do deserve these losses. It's tough to to say things like that, it but it, it's true, I think, to to a large degree, and you know, individual efforts, I think, are not aligning with each other to put quality play together. Because there were times in that game where you just felt like Scott Lawton, I think. Yeah, was a terrific game. Yeah. On it. Terrific game. Travis Konechny was doing everything in his power to get to open ice. Mm-hmm. He was fast. He was skating with the puck. And there was a there were a couple times where he would skate the puck into the zone and not dump it. And then there just wasn't somebody available for him to pass it to right. from the outside. And it, it must have been so frustrating for him. Yeah, no question. I, you know, and, I, and he made fewer mistakes. I, I thought Konechny was fine. Uh, you know, I think JVR really just tried on the power play. I don't think he did much five on five. Uh, they're just there are guys out there that they don't get in the flow of the game or stay in the flow of the game. And that's why we keep talking about it. They have these great moments, great singular efforts, times where it's good, but they don't put it all together. Yeah, I I, I definitely think that's true. and And I think that's part of the reason, like I said, why it's so difficult to watch this team sometimes, because they do put together 
little bits of quality play and really good sequences and you can see flashes of brilliance and they are never ever able to put it all together and I think that's what makes it worse across the board that even in a depleted lineup like this every single one of those guys had their moments I mean so here and you know what it's funny you're right Justin Braun Nick Sealer goal scorer yeah 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 I mean Nick Sealer gets his first goal um you just you look at it and you say I get all of that, but they were up four two. Mm-hmm. So if they were able to be up four two with the lineup they had, they should have been able to win with the lineup they had. Yeah, considering how they played for a significant portion of yeah. the game, I, I think so too. But again, also you cannot count out Pittsburgh. No, this Pittsburgh team is going to come back. Very in resilient. Situations. Yes. So, but but it, okay, know. and so the last part Square of that peg, was, round hole, yeah. water is wet. The Pittsburgh Penguins win. <laughs> right. No, I mean, listen, all those things are true, but you did need Carter Hart to make some big saves tonight in the third mm-hmm. period, and he didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, and he he was making those saves early in the game, yes. but he was not in the third, no. and, I, and that was definitely a difference maker. That's it. All right. Well, that was quite a game, and. You know, I think one that will live in flyers infamy and even years from now we'll be like, hey, remember when we were going to trade our franchise player and then the guy from our biggest rival scored his 500th goal in a game against our team? That was fun, right? Yeah, I just feel like, you know, it it feels like I've been to like Six Flags and and rode the big coaster and, and now I'm done. Yeah, I think I think that is a good note to end our discussion on. Uh, we'll get to those mailbag questions coming up. But first, a word from our friends over at Built Bar. This is the time of the year that you might have given up on New Year's resolutions, but I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow they're fluffy they're marshmallowy they're not just a protein bar they're a treat puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamon churro coconut marshmallow banana cream pie so good all built bars including those puffs are covered in 100 percent real chocolate go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart you'll be blown away high protein low cal high fiber low carb most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and, a do- and dozens of net carbs. They have so many delicious flavors like mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond. New for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. New flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it Taste delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks again for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. And make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Lockdown NHL. It's a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Lockdown NHL podcast feed. I'm there. It's great. You should check it out. And it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, so it's time to get into the Locked On Flyers mailbag and got a lot of good questions this week. First one is, I think, the elephant in the room here. If we're resigned to Claude Giroux being traded, what is an acceptable return? For me, I'm looking for a top five, a top five prospect in the organization, a prospect that's close to playing in the NHL, and a first-round pick, and possibly another pick, depending on how much salary I'm eating and, and all of that. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. I'm assuming the Flyers are going to have to retain maybe a third to a half of the salary mm-hmm. in the deal in order to get the return that they want. And it's definitely a first round and a top prospect, like you said. It's probably not going to be the one or two prospect in the no. system. Well, maybe, but the third, I think, is a reasonable request. And then I, I might go for an active player who's young. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're going to need a body to replace what Giroux is doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I'm at on it. All right. So also trade deadline related. Who else should the Flyers trade at the deadline versus who will they trade at the deadline? I mean, at the deadline, they should trade Justin Braun and Keith Yandel. They should trade uh, Travis Konechny. And there's one other player probably who's escaping me, but you'll get it. Uh, those are some of them. Uh, who will they trade? I, I don't think they're trading JVR, so that's, to me, he's off the table. Uh, I, I think they, Ristolainen's up in the air. I think. Mm-hmm. That was I the think, one I would mention. Yeah, I, I think there's like 80% that they're trading him, but I still think there's a chance he signs here. Uh, I I don't think Connecty will get traded at the deadline. I think Lawton will get traded at the deadline. I think Yandel will get traded at the deadline. And uh, who is my other player? Now I'm forgetting, but oh, Braun. Yeah, I think uh, Braun and Yandel would be good to trade. I'm not sure they're going to trade Yandel because I think that they think they can probably get a better return on Braun and they'll prioritize him first. Konechny is an interesting thing. For me, it's the whole Konechny versus Lawton discussion. Because I feel like trading one of them would be good. And I feel like you could probably get a better return for Lawton right now. But I think Konechny is more expendable. So I agree with you. You know, what are you going to do there? It's a tough decision. And then, of course, uh, Risto will depend on kind of what he's thinking going into potential contract negotiations. So I'm sure they'll have a discussion and go from there. All right. Is there a rival player for the Flyers that gets under your skin the most? It's probably related to Crosby playing. No, no, night. it's really not. I, I'm, I'm, I really like Sidney Crosby in every way. Um, I think it's Brad Marchand. Brad mm. Marchand's the guy because he's got so much talent and he just brings up all that other stuff just because. And a lot of it is senseless. So I'm going to go Brad Marchand. I mean, that's absolutely my choice. I think of active players. He is my number one most annoying player on another yeah. team. And it's frustrating because he's a good guy off the ice. But on the yes. ice, he's just total garbage. Yep. All right. Who is the next Flyers prospect to sign an ELC? I am going to say Noah Cates. Interesting. 
and they'll pro- and they'll probably have to burn the first year too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I think if they want to keep them, they'll probably have to do that because yeah. I mean, obviously we haven't seen how the Olympics turn out. He's been playing well, but not like scoring a ton per se. But he's definitely contributing so far. But if he if he plays really well in this Olympic tournament for the remainder of it. And then, you know, makes an impact for the remainder of the college season. I think that, you know, he obviously has his future in his own hands at this point, right? Oh, yeah. So I think, you know, the power is with him and he might just want to play at the end of the season. Um, although I think it would be funny if he did that and then knock Jackson out of the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> like anything's possible. I I'll also say that. You know, Jay O'Brien's got amazingly hot. Like, he was having a good year. In the bean pot, he really was on fire. So he's another guy now you kind of have to wonder. He really is. I think, you know, Bobby Brink could be that guy as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's having the most incredible season in NCAA hockey right mm-hmm. now. And I think that for him, it's... you. Know, it's not the right phrasing, but, you know, selling high on himself right now is yeah. is kind of, um, I think, the best option for him. I think he's taken such a remarkable step forward this season that a net good next step for him would be to play with Lehigh Valley next year and see where it goes from there. The next question is Olympics related. And so is there a sport that you would compete in in the Winter Olympics? Well, I'll tell you the one I wouldn't. I worked out with the U.S. luge team once. The pictures on my Twitter timeline went about 30 or 40 miles an hour on the ground. One (laughs) run. I did one run. I came out of it injury-free, and I never did another one, and I would never do it. I wanted to do it on the ice once just to try it up in Lake Placid, but I would never do that. The one I would do is curling because I could have a drinking habit. I could have a smoking habit. I could be 34, 35, 36, 56, and you could still curl. So curling. I've gone down a bobsled track before um, in Park City. That was a lot of fun, but I have not done luge. Uh, but I would absolutely compete in snowboard cross. Oh, wow. And I, I'm i a, like, now I'm a little older, and so I don't ride as much, and mm-hmm. I don't do as much. But I've snowboarded for a good, you know, 15 years. And okay. Um, got pretty good at it. I was in the terrain park quite a bit doing decent sized jumps and stuff, but I love snowboard cross because I just really like tight turns and riding super fast and getting a little bit of air. And so I think that snowboard cross is the best fit for my style of riding. And I've gone on like not Olympic level courses, but I've gone on, you know, like teenager, like middle school age kids snowboard cross okay. training courses and um and done okay on them I, I mean i've also attempted the super pipe as well but i'm not as good at that i can't even get to the top of the wall I mean, on either it's... side but i can do like you know 360s off the wall but i haven't gotten above the lip before so well that's impressive um, i mean i the most i've ever done like skiing is like intermediate level like i've gone skiing a bunch of times in my life but that's no, that's impressive. Wow. I mean, especially if the injuries can be bad in snowboarding. So I give you credit. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you live in Utah and the mountains are right there. So. Yeah, yeah. Got to utilize it. 
All right. Well, we will have more questions for our mailbag coming up. But first, we're going to talk about our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performances, props, to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, they're going to choose the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, from expert mechanics to beginner do-it-yourselfers. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, you'll be able to find it and get your car in shape. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Continuing with our dive into the Locked On Flyers mailbag, this is a Phantoms-related question. Are players developing at Lehigh Valley, even though the team isn't great? And do you think they will be in good shape for the next batch of prospects to join them next season? I do think there's some guys developing. I think Wiley's developing. I think Frost is is developing. I think York is developing. Uh, I think Zamula is developing, the goalies. So definitely, uh, Ratcliffe definitely uh, has made a step forward. I don't think it's much more than that. I think it's a little bit more than that. You know, maybe you want to throw Sandine in and Wilman. I mean, I don't think Wilman's much at the NHL level, but and Mayhew, same. But I, I think for the most part, it's good that they do have prospects developing. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that, you know, at least some of the guys have been sheltered enough from all the drama that they've been able to work on their stuff. I think Wyatt Wiley is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that. You know, I question some of their choices with what they've been doing with Zamula, but I think Zamula is on just a slower path. You know, maybe I would have liked to have seen it go a little bit faster, but mm-hmm. I think he's doing okay down there as well. I think, you know, of anybody, those are the two that I would point to. And, you know, I am nervous about next season and what it could look like there, but it seems like they at least are trying to put a plan together at this point. I think sort of the flyer season ending press conference and the next couple weeks after that in terms of wholesale changes will be the indicator of what's going on. And, you know, whether prospects sign or not will be an indicator as well. True. All right, Russ, this one is specifically for you. Mm. You have been known to call the Flyers' fourth line a black hole. Why? Well, I I think it's been a place that a lot of different players have played this year. Uh, A lot of times these players on the fourth line, and probably if we had to put a guess, I don't know, they probably had like, you know, six, seven, eight different players on the fourth line this year. Um, 
when they throw the puck in the corner, many times they don't regain possession. When they put a shot on net, many times they don't re- get a rebound. There hasn't been a lot of scoring on the on the fourth line. There hasn't been a lot of anything other than hits and and trying. And so I always say, like, when somebody comes up and they throw them on the fourth line, it's like throwing them into a black hole. Fair enough. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. Are there other interested teams scouting the Flyers, and who are they? Yeah, the um, the Dallas Stars were there quite a bit up until uh, the All-Star break, and maybe that has to do with Klingberg. Maybe it's somebody else that – it won't be Michael Roffel because I spoke to him, and he likes living in Dallas, so it's not going to be Michael Roffel. Uh, maybe well, that makes me sad. I mean, I get it, but I know still. <laughs> He's happy. I mean, I'm happy that he's happy. That's all I care about is that yeah. he's happy. Yeah, but, uh, you know – is it possible that, you know, the Flyers are negotiating with Klingberg to say, hey, um, we could sign you here. What are you looking for? And if they did, then maybe they do a Klingberg for Lawton trade, you know, with Dallas, something like that, knowing that he's going to sign. Yeah, I could see something like that possibly happening. Uh, the Leafs have definitely uh, been there. I think they're after Risto. Uh, they're looking for a right shot defenseman. I think they would give up a first round pick and Travis Dermott. I think Travis Dermott is a, is a decent defenseman. I think he'd probably still be a bottom pair, but he'd be better than Keith Yandel. So as an example, it's an upgrade, mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't make too much. So I think if you're going to lose him, I think that's a good place to trade him, and, and you can get a good return, and at least it'll be close to what you gave up uh, when you got him. Because, again, the Flyers are without um, some picks. So those are two teams that I have noticed that I think things could happen with. Yeah, it's interesting. The Flyers have had some sort of more frequent trading partners. Nashville is one of them. Mm -hmm. And I just often wonder if they'll end up doing some other kind of deal with Nashville just because they've been able to work things out with them. Well, I knew Nashville was up to something last year uh, in the bubble and because I saw certain people there from Nashville. I have not seen those people here yet. All right. Well, that's something to keep an eye on for sure as the trade deadline approaches. From a philosophical standpoint, what do the Flyers need more, picks or prospects? I mean, I do think they need more prospects. They're probably going to need a little both because as an example, like they don't have a second round pick this year. They don't have one next year. But I do think they need some prospects that are a little further along than what they have. Like, not fully developed by the other team, but could possibly make the team in a year or even next year if things went crazy good over the summer, that kind of thing. Because there is still a gap between, like, Frost and... So now, you you know, you have Frost and and you're hoping for York, right? And then so, you know, and maybe Zamula is a little behind him and maybe they are going to be more um, careful with him. And so, like, Ratcliffe... Maybe he sticks, but Forster certainly can't come up right away, not off an injury. And so then you're now looking at other guys, Sandine, it just doesn't seem like they're interested in him. So you're looking at a gap there where those other prospects are at least a year or two away. And then maybe mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to get two in the lineup next year. And again, that's why I think they need that. So I think that's what we're looking at. I think it's a, a balance, Like you said, I mean, we do need to get some additional picks so there's more people further down 
in the pipeline, but to supplement that with a couple of good prospects that we get in trades at the trade deadline, I think would be helpful as well, just because, you know, we've kind of burned through a bunch of the ones that we have right now and we kind of, we know what we have with them. And so there's definitely gaps in skill that need to get filled sooner than draft picks this year or next year will be able to provide. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Usually I'm talking about Gavin Giroux as, you know, in terms of the Flyers child. With him probably leaving, I'm going to be sad, but we got to like hop on board with other kids. You said they might trade Travis Konechny, which unfortunately is our Flyers fun thing. It's the other kid. It's the other kid with Rhett. There was a really great picture of Travis with Rhett in the pool during the All-Star break while they were on vacation. Man, this kid is so cute. I love the the swim trunks and the hat. and the Yeah, the hats are great. I mean, on both of them, I, 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 I love know. the hats. That's, they're all, that's a they're cool thing. They're all matchy with the bucket hats. I love it. No, it's a great picture. It really so is. So I'd hate to lose this kid, too. We can't do that. There'll be other kids, Rachel. All right. That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow to preview the matchup against the Washington Capitals with Ted Starkey. And we'll have a prospect profile as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.